Good morning, or maybe it is good evening or good afternoon. This is another episode of Let's Humanize the Workplace. I don't know why I'm so goofy, but it the sun is shining. I just uh, finished a webinar about being stressed and how to de-stress, which also gives me a lot of energy. And uh, I think that a lot of you who recently are following me or joining me or seeing me for the first time, are thinking about, okay, who is this woman? Okay, this woman is Vivian Aqua. I am the workplace wellness advocate. And I love talking about things that make your workplace feel inspired. So that's why I came up with Let's Humanize the Workplace. It is a platform where I have conversations with experts who are inspiring. Together we are inspiring the workplace. Together we are inspiring the employees and the employers to do better in in the workplace. So that is what where Let's Humanize the Workplace is from. And I also have a surprise because for those of you who are watching for a while now, um, you might have seen me on LinkedIn, you might have seen me on Twitter, or you might have seen me on YouTube, or you might have seen me on Facebook Live. But also know that if you are an auditive learner, like myself, so for those of you who learn better through audio, I have a present for you because Let's Humanize the Workplace is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Woo! Yes! So you can listen to us on Spotify, on Google uh, Podcasts, and even on iTunes. So look us, up, look me up. Look, let's Google. Let's humanize the podcast, and you'll find me. And you can consume the content at your own pace, on your own time, whenever you want it. And you can even listen to the replay whenever you want it. Right? That's awesome. Okay. Going to another item, I am going to show my son, my life coach, my everything, my all. So this is my son, Orlando, when he was three, he's now six. And um, if you have seen my article, which I'm going to refer in the, in the next section, I refer to him a lot because he is the reason why let's humanize the workplace exists he is the one who why i am advocating for a better workplace because i have been true challenging positions challenging situation where it was dehumanizing me it was dehumanizing the work environment and it was dehumanizing in general and like i said olando he is my life coach. He is six. He doesn't even realize it that I'm calling him my life coach. But let's say that I'm listening in between the lines, the words that he's saying, right? Because kids um, really have, really share awesome things. And once you are still and you're listening, that's the time when they are teaching you lessons. So for those of you who are parents, aunties, uncles, or for those of you who are working with kids, I would recommend you to maybe from time to time be still and listen to what your coach or your mini coach or maybe your own life coach is uh, sharing because there is so much wisdom in the kids. And I know that kids say the darnest things. He even is a smart, smarty pants, 
he's at the age of six and he knows it all. He sometimes thinks that he is the, our parents, but I'm not going to have it. And his father is needing, his father won't have it. But as you can see, my son is biracial. So I'm Ghanaian. Uh, his father is Dutch. And that brings us in a challenging position because due to the recent happenings in the US and also let's say the international happenings about Black Lives Matter and that people are standing up for Black Lives Matter and more equality, more diversity, and we want to be included, all people of color want to be included. I had to answer questions because Orlando was noticing that there was a lot of friction on the news and I tried to shield him away from what's happening but in the end I had to I had to share something about what's happening in the world I had to share something why people are uh, demonstrating and I had to share something about what it means to me and what it means to uh, his parents and um, so he knows in his own way, what happened to uh, George Floyd. And one of the things that he asked me was, uh, Mama, are they going to hurt you as well? And it felt for me, I, I said no, but it felt for me like I told a white lie. I told a white lie because I don't want him to be worried. And re just to remind you, he's six. And if a six-year-old can see and feel the pain that is being caused upon other people, why is it so challenging for adults to see the pain that is inflicted on us, that is inflicted on people of color? So I am a person who really practices positive psychology. And even though this article, while writing this article, it was challenging for me to write it, and you can visit to you can go to bit.ly-rdsm. So the the link that you see up here, you see the arrow. You can go to there, and there you can see the tips that I've been sharing regarding dismantling racism in the workplace. Because we need to take action now. We all need to take action now. There's no time to be silent. Um, because when you're silent, you're choosing a side, you're choosing to um, become an ostrich and an ostrich sometimes puts his head in the sand. And this is not a, this is not a topic to put your head in the sand. So please take action. Please have discussions. Please do something to dismantle racism in the workplace. That's my plea for today. And um, I want to bring in the guest speakers of today. How? can leaders coach their team to greatness. So I'm bringing them up one by one and going to display this like that. And first of all, I have Meg Matir. She is a psychology nerd turned consultant and entrepreneur. She helps her clients bring psychology and coaching practices in the workplace. She's also the host of Breakdown, Wake Up, the podcast, so look her up like. Right, look her up and listen to her podcast. And I also have Oslem uh, Sarioglu. I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing your name right. And if not, well please help yeah. me. She is a professional coach and a co and the co-founder of Sparkers Digital Coaching Platform. Oslem is also the author of the the book World Voices and ICF Young Leader Honorary. Welcome, ladies. 
So let's go, let's dive into the first question. What is your connection with uh, humanizing the workplace? And let's start with you, Meg. Well, thanks so much, Vivian, for having me on the show. And I just wanted to say that I love the, the comment that you had about your son being your mm -hmm. coach. Mm -hmm. Because one of the themes, you know, I think that both Oslam and I agree on is this notion that being a coach is not always about being in this professional coaching role, mm -hmm. but it's actually about human beings being in a certain way to shine light on areas that we may not be able to see. So it's really beautiful that You're you see your son as a coach. You're almost going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Thank you yeah. for that nice compliment. Yes. Yeah. So my connection to humanizing the workplace. Wow. Where could I start? I could probably talk mm -hmm. an hour about this, but <laughs> I think, yeah, it's really the focus of my company. Um, I I started my career actually in um, in corporate consulting, and so I spent about seven years working for major management consulting firms and working as a consultant for many different companies of all sizes and different industries. And what I saw was that there was this human element that I think underneath people are really craving, but there's this there's this sense that being human or showing our vulnerability or potentially not knowing even that notion is something that is unprofessional or unleaderly. And mm -hmm. so about three years ago, I left, um, I left the corporate consulting world and started my own company, combining my background in psychology with my business background as a consultant and now bring coaching practices and psychological theories and tools into a business context that make it much easier for companies to implement and actually become more human. Wow. And Oslin? Well, I, I, I was just while listening to Mac, I was thinking like how similar our backgrounds are. Uh, I'm also uh, have a background in finance, consultancy, and what I kept on experiencing was like even though people knew the answers you know they basically didn't change and uh, when it comes down to it it's like people are different and when we first established uh sparkus we wrote down on manifesto which started by saying like every individual is unique and they all have something unique to contribute to the workplace and when I was listening to your comments, uh, of course, now we are talking about racism, but mm -hmm. if you talk about the subject in a broader sense, in terms mm -hmm. of diversity, really every single individual is so different than the other. And there is a lot that we can contribute. So we hire people into the workplace for the unique beings that they are, for their potential. And then we're trying to uh, make them fit into this shablon or like like one size fits all, and it's it, you know it doesn't work. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> so I got my first card. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's that's the main thing about like that's what I like about coaching. Like it gives the individual the space to be who they are, find their own answers, uh, find their own purpose. Uh, make their own contribution. So that's mm -hmm. that's why I'm doing this work, basically. 
Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. And um, I'm going to start with a quote and I have to highlight this quote because I challenged Meg with the following. And I'm going to share this quote from Maya Angelou, which is too close to my heart. So as you grow older, you will discover that you have two hands, one for helping yourself and the other one for helping others. And the reason why I'm bringing, I'm bringing up this quote has to do with, I challenged Meg to um, invite a guest speaker, uh, a guest speaker that fits lift as you climb mantra. And I want to ask Meg, why did you invite Oslem as your lift as you climb guest? Yeah, thanks, Vivian. I love the initiative, actually. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, wow. Um, I think so. Aslam and I actually initially got connected because I read her book, mm. World Voices in a Polarized World. And I was so inspired by, you know, what she did in the book was she took um, coaching concepts that are typically applied for individuals or relationships and then applied them to helping us understand larger global issues. And that really resonated so much with my own philosophy about um, the importance, again, of understanding coaching, that it cannot just apply to the individual, but also to these broader systemic things. And so, mm -hmm. so she's really an inspiration for me. And, um, and I think I also, I invited Oslem because, you know, my, I live now in Amsterdam and I'm an American originally. So I also feel a lot for what's going on uh, back in the US. Mm -hmm. But Aslam, um, Aslam is Turkish. And I think it's one of the it's one of the things that she brings up also in her book about the importance and the influence of culture on how we see ourselves and how we see teams. And the importance of understanding that in the workplace, especially in a globalized world. And so, yeah, I, it was a, it was an easy choice to, uh, to bring Aslam onto the show. Did you know that she taught this about you? No. <laughs> very, very flattering to, to really just like, mm, that's nice. I, 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 as I said, like, we have something, you know, a lot of things in common, a lot of things in different at the same time, like totally mm -hmm. different cultures. We're both living in Amsterdam, uh, but, you know, she's from the US, I'm from Turkey uh we somehow met here um but i was so happy to to receive this invitation uh actually to be on your show also uh vivian because uh, i i really enjoyed uh, i just watched a few uh you know episodes i really enjoyed it and uh i'm really i feel really honored uh to to, to be invited and it's it's uh, totally meg i'm i am and, just and, challenging and, yeah, her yeah, i'm and, just and challenging her because yeah. I feel like this platform, like I said, uh, this platform, yes, I'm hosting. Yes, I can ask maybe spicy questions, but it's all meant for the workplace, for the people, for the employers, for those who are in charge, the leaders to be inspired, right? Because I want to ask the questions and, and I want the experts to share thought seeds and we plant them. We plant them. It's up to them to nurture it, of course. It's up to them to provide some sun and some TLC. But the platform is for the people. And I have to include people on it. And I do have to say, I am biased. 
to, regarding women because I'm seeing a lot of men and I am biased because I want to see diversity. So that's what I'm doing. Right. right. Yeah. Awesome. So when it comes to organizations, how can they help leaders become coaches? What can they do? And I'll start with Oslin. Okay. Um, well, there are a number of things. Uh, the, the one that automatically comes to mind is to give a training to the managers to become coaches. Yeah. So that's generally what is first, you know, the first starting point. And most of the time, unfortunately, it's, it's the last point as, as well. People just mm-hmm. you know, give the training and say, well, they, I haven't become coaches. So pass that. Um, so what do you, sorry, out, sorry to interrupt sorry. you, but do yeah. you feel like when somebody's up for a promotion, um, should they have this coaching degree before they become a manager or in the first year that they are a manager or maybe in the first two years? Very good point. Um, I would say like give a nudge of the feeling of that, that coaching mindset. Because mm-hmm. I think I, yeah. I, I look at coaching as a, not as a, you know, L&D tool only, like a learning and development tool, but it's like, it's really a mindset. It's mm-hmm. the way you look at, into the world, uh, not with victim eyes, but like with some growth mindset, mm-hmm. like what's possible mindset. And I think that is relevant to everyone in the organization. Yeah. So it's not just the managers uh, or leaders. Um but then there is another layer to it, like how do you speak with your uh, with your team? How do you support their development layer, which then should come once they have the experience? Otherwise, it's like before they're even hungry, you you give them the food. Yeah. So they That's need to have first the yeah. need. Uh, but the other thing, the, the basic thing about the mindset and everything should be even from their you know very early times in the organization should be there it's not related to being a uh, manager or something like that i believe okay interesting um, and Meg? So- yeah it's um so i think coaching really brings three core elements into mm-hmm. practice so the first is awareness the second is understanding of what the options or possibilities are And then the third is about what decision to take. Mm -hmm. And when you think about these three foundational principles of coaching, you can think about it in a one-on-one relationship, but absolutely you can think about it in an organizational context. And I completely agree with Oslem that it's actually not just for managers or traditional leaders, but it's really about, in a way, creating a culture of coaching in organizations. And so how organizations can actually do that Um, I think what Oslem is doing, for example, her company Sparkus is a technology platform that basically embeds coaching practices into the organization that last beyond Mm -hmm. a training or something like that. But I think also organizations can, um, I think the whole, the whole notion of, for example, bottom up culture change that's happening. I do a lot of work with major transformations of companies and embedding some of like those coaching principles into existing transformational projects is a huge value add. And mm-hmm. I think in addition, um, it can be embedded in a way where it's not like a standalone coaching pro- program, but actually aids in some sort of project so that the business 
there's a business case for it as well, right? Like it's not just a nice to have. I do have to say something and you both mentioned it. It's not a one time, it's not a one night stand. That's how I say it, right? (laughs) So coaching is a muscle that you need to train. Why? Why do we need to train that muscle? Why? Let's, Oslem, maybe one or two things that you can share about that. Uh, I'm just going to go back to what Mm -hmm. Max said in a a short while, but to answer Mm -hmm. your question, I think there is the... um, the core thing about coaching mm-hmm. is, I think, very relevant in our times. Is it mm-hmm. comes with the notion of not knowing. Yeah. You just uh, you're uh, a humble. They b uh, you're really like curious. And for instance, this COVID times, like who ever told that such a thing would happen? Yeah. So when when you're, to- I mean, we're more and more in a world of the unknown. Like new things are happening. So that having that mindset of like. I don't know is the main thing or the we're so used to managers really knowing at all mm-hmm. when people come to them they just give the answers and everything and they basically don't uh, they give instructions they don't they don't take give the space they don't give the responsibility they don't mm-hmm. their people's potential so when we're talking about this kind of a complex world we really need all this information from the bottom up rather than just one you know uh, very creative or very very smart guy telling everybody else what to do so that's mm-hmm. basically let's why hope that the person is as smart and creative because hopefully yeah <laughs> most of the time yeah that's another story but it's still <laughs> mind you know uh yeah. most of the time so we there is even more mind out there so mm-hmm. you know use that common 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 knowledge is the main thing yeah uh, if i'm coming back to uh what uh, meg said about you know practicing it is also like we just know that uh for a skill to develop i mean this is very much known ar- around yeah. like all the lnd people like it's like it, training is just 10 percent uh then there is the 20 percent which is being coached or having a mentor which is then also needed to be embedded to the leadership development mm-hmm. programs of like uh, coaching uh, skills programs. And then the last part, the 70%, the big portion is doing it. Yeah. So we need to give the leaders, not just say like, okay, go ahead and do it, but just give them the area to really, uh, the potential to use it, to practice it, to have some supervision around it. So it's really a slow process. It's like mm-hmm. going to the gym and, you know, building your muscles it yeah. doesn't just just happen like that so i wish press the coaching button yes definitely uh, so yeah so um, uh, we're using mm-hmm. a digital platform for that instance so I, when i when and i wrote the word you know humanizing the workplace we're using digitalization to humanize mm-hmm. the workplace actually. that's so, cool yeah yeah that's cool yeah it's it's a it's a great point too. I think you know when you become a coach, when you when you train to be a coach, one of the first things that you learn is that a, a lot of the work is about you understanding yourself. Mm-hmm. And so when we bring coaching practices into organizations, there is this expectation that leaders will actually become a coachee as well as be trained in coaching because mm-hmm. 
you can teach all of the frameworks, you can teach the basics, you can teach those principles, but the difference between like a really, really strong coach or strong leader and someone who's just sort of going through the motions is their own self-awareness and Mm self-understanding. And that, like Aslam was saying, can only be achieved through practice. Yeah. What would you say, so I'm I'm off scripting now, what would you say to somebody who's just starting their career? Because Oslem, you mentioned something about um, it's okay to do the work before you come a man- before you mm-hmm. become a manager. What would you sh- tell me, I'm turning 40, so what would you t- say to me 20 years ago when I just started my career? What would you, where should I invest my time and my money and my energy in? Mm-hmm. Great question. Uh, Well, there is, of course, the technical skills we need to learn, like Mm -hmm. in terms of our business and everything. But I think for the all the other parts, I think just just having a vision for yourself, really knowing Mm -hmm. your yourself is is the starting point. I always give this example of like in high school, I was trying to learn German, German, Mm -hmm. and I really hated it. I just dropped the, the class. And I personally, I've been to many places in Europe. I've been to Germany just once for a day. So somehow I'm not connected. Mm-hmm. And like, but then I had this vision of living in Amsterdam. So I'm now, you know, studying Dutch with, mm-hmm. with, with big, big enthusiasm. So mm-hmm. like this, very similar to languages, you know. But once you have that inner motivation to do something, then yeah. the learning part comes easy. So I would say just first figure out uh, like not, you don't need to figure out who you are. You don't need to figure out like what exactly you're going to do, but just have a vision for yourself. Like, how do you want to spend your life kind of a feeling? Like at least just get rid of the things you don't want. That's Mm -hmm. also a starting point. So, you -hmm. know, just spending time to really listen to yourself, do a vision for yourself. And then the rest will just, just follow by itself. Otherwise we're just kind of lost in the track. Yeah. What would you do? What for what what would you say to me 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, I love this question. I was also thinking like what did I need when I was 20 years old? <laughs> um yeah. yeah, I think um I think one of the the practices that we are not really exposed to especially mm-hmm. in our early parts of our careers is being aware that when conflict or tension or chaos in the business, in the workplace arises, that this is really an opportunity for deeper understanding and deeper knowledge. And this is, yeah, (laughs) yeah, this is really close to my heart, Um, especially because for me, um, going into the workplace, um, I brought an experience that was really powerful for me in my teenage years. I experienced mm-hmm. depression when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And although this was a really challenging experience, it was also really, really rewarding and influenced my who I was, right? And so when I entered the, the workspace, I didn't feel like I could bring that part of me into, into the office environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that if early in people's careers, we can really show and teach them that these challenges, these breakdowns are really, really essential, not just to our own personal development, but to the evolution of an organization and to problem solving. 
I think that this will also make our careers much smoother rather than getting caught up in in the negative, right? Yeah, true, true. I, I totally believe that. And it's funny, I'm again going to use my son because he's at an age where I am motivating him to be himself. But then when he becomes, when we become an adult, we unlearn so much because we want to, we are being told to fit in a certain mold. And I'm just like, no, do you see this? <laughs> I, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have done this because I wanted to fit in a certain mold. I wanted to be seen differently. And I'm just like, now I am a unicorn and I will show my unicorn hair. And this is me. And it's funny how um, I have, I have learned to embrace myself. I've learned to embrace my uniqueness and, I am the lady with, you know, the colored hair and with the funny things from time to time. I can also be very serious. So it's it's funny how we unlearn things. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Really uh, good point. Esther, Esther Peral tells uh, what you're talking about, uh, Mank, is as uh, our informal resume. Mm. And I really mm. like it because it's, it then makes us the whole human being, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also our vulnerabilities, not only our differences, but embracing all that and just bringing them yeah. uh, to, to, to the work, basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So regarding the leaders, so they have done the training. They have now have to lead their team members during a crisis. How are they going to do that? How are they going to lead their team through this yes <laughs> i think the first few weeks was like holy what happened how am i going to do this what can what can managers do to become better leaders and coach their teams mm, great question. shall i start with you meg yeah yeah well i think um it's a really good question and mm. let's let's be honest we're not out of this crisis either yeah. so maybe the shock is a bit um is a bit subdued but we're still mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah actually so i think also a philosophy that oslam and i share in in some of our coaching practices is there's there's usually within a crisis situation that people are reacting Mm -hmm. in a certain way to that crisis situation. And usually they're reacting to protect some sort of vulnerability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that might be like a core fear. Um, it could be, it's usually something very like deeply rooted in us that we may not be aware of. So mm -hmm. what you might see in organizations during like a period of crisis is that all of these surface level behaviors, right? Like, some people are getting angry. Some people mm -hmm. are shutting down. Um, some people are overstructuring and over um, controlling. controlling. Some people, <laughs> some people are just saying "fuck it," I'm going to go yeah. to the beach and yeah. like ignore everything. Yeah. So, um, but but those those behaviors are actually clues for a deeper need or a deeper vulnerability. So, what what leaders can do to help coach their teams in these times is that they can start to be curious about these behaviors. And that doesn't necessarily mean like having a meeting and saying, hey, guys, let's sit around the table and talk about like what our deepest fears are related to crisis. But mm -hmm. it's about being aware, right? Like if you see someone that's not like mm -hmm. behavior, so the leader may react or, or anyone may react. Oh, that's a bit weird. Why is that person doing that? 
but if they can be curious, if they can actually ask and say, hey, what, what's going on? Or what about this situation in particular makes you feel uncomfortable? And then mm -hmm. get to that deeper need. Then the teams can start to, yeah, like organically, creatively problem solve and serve each other. Because again, there's no set formula for solving the problems that teams have during a crisis. So it's really about being curious and finding that underlying yeah. need. And I also want to add something on like as a leader, sometimes people think that you know it all or that you are a problem solver. But if you don't know it or if you feel a bit challenged, ask for help, please. Ask yes. for help. Wow. Ask for help. Yeah. Where's yeah. my awesome card? I want to <laughs> make my own. <laughs> Double two thumbs up. Thank you. Thank you. Oslem. <laughs> yeah. I, I was also first thing that came to mind was also talking about their emotions and giving mm -hmm. that space. Uh, but also, I think if you're looking at from the very business goals perspective, also being uh, being open to not knowing in that sense as well as a as a leader and saying like, OK, so we made all these goals in the past, but now with the crisis, we don't try to hold on to them anymore. So it's like things have changed. Mm -hmm. Also being aware of that and also you know, having conversations and and also really not being, uh, you know, trying to know it all for everyone. Like, okay, this is the this is the way we're going to go over the crisis. No, just you know, just sit down with your team, design a design a um, roadmap all together. So one part of coaching is yes, supporting our team members, but also as I said, it's like being in the mode of not being in the victim mode, saying like, oh shit you know this covid thing happened so we're in this crisis no but just going to the team and saying like okay this is this is a new reality for us now so like, how do we how do we act on this and just you know use the team's uh you know common sense giving them space that also is coaching that yeah. also is you know involving people and uh you know dancing together so i think that's also the the second phase uh once you kind of acknowledge uh, where they are in terms of uh, emotions. You hear a lot about people leaving a company because of the leader, because of the manager, or because of that, you know, significant person who has a lot to say within the company. Do you feel like uh, when they maybe went to a coaching training and they trained their muscles and they practiced that, that they can minimize it, minimize the, the turnover, minimize you know rebooting or restarting a team because that's also money that a company is losing right and every time that that team loses uh, a team member they have to wait until a new team member comes in or have to do all the workload and um, it creates a different dynamic within the team especially for those who are joining the company uh, during this lockdown, they have a different onboarding experience where they need to create a connection. So is coaching mandatory? Should it be mandatory within companies? And to who? Mm. Well, the first question, the first part of your question, mm -hmm. I would say those are I think very much uh, relevant. Well, you were saying like, but sometimes people are onboarded in this period and we just mm -hmm. actually onboarded someone in our company just the day everybody was mm -hmm. went away to, to work from home. 
And I think coaching conversations was also very much, uh, you know, relevant there to, to have them in. But when I basically do a coaching uh, session, even as a professional coach, sometimes people come and the HR is really afraid that people will start talking and then leave the company. But it's mm-hmm. generally the other way around. Yeah. When, yeah. when you give them the space mm-hmm. to talk about what they like about the organization, what they don't like about yeah. the organization, what their options are, most of the time, people choose to stay. People just differentiate what's really bothering them. Uh, it yeah. could be a manager. It could be a you know a project they just got. Uh, it could be other things. So you know when once you give them that un- non-judgmental space to talk about their experience, basically that shifts. Yeah. Uh, so if the managers are not afraid to speak about what people's experiences are, even having the conversation of like, are you satisfied with your work now? You know, mm-hmm. just being open to hear that actually I'm not. If they can do that, a lot of things shift. And mm. they, that really increases the engagement most yeah. of the time. And uh, so that's your first part of the question. Maybe the second part, I'm going to leave it uh, to Meg. <laughs> Ooh, the spicy one. <laughs> Should coaching be mandatory? <laughs> just be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I honestly think that um, it's it's an interesting question because, of course, companies can make coaching mandatory, and that would be great. But mm-hmm. the the backside of that is that coaching isn't really effective until you're ready to yeah. accept it. So you could go through all of the motions again, get all of the structure and yeah. things, but that mindset doesn't really get digested unless you're ready for it. And I think one of the things that's a barrier to implementing coaching in organizations is this expectation that leaders are supposed to have all of the answers. Mm -hmm. And like Aslam said, that this feeling of if we put things out there, if we actually start to share how we feel, that it will create chaos, whereas Mm -hmm. the reality is the exact opposite. Like what's expected really of, of strong leaders is the humility and vulnerability to question their own assumptions about companies, right? About the direction of the organization. Thanks. <laughs> and um, and I think so, and, and then in a similar sense, like what Aslam said, when, when people actually speak about what's really going on, like usually that creates this sense of connection and openness. And then whatever is sticking, whatever is feels like it's not moving forward, maybe from a project standpoint, all of a sudden starts loosening up. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, Vivian, then you also reduce turnover because what yeah. happens is people can actually say, hey, you know what? This is why I'm unsatisfied. And usually mm-hmm. those things can be solved. Yeah. But if if they don't feel like they have the space to share them, then the only option is to leave or it becomes too hard and then they have to leave. So That's true. I also have a few comments to share. So David is sharing good leaders, see the uniqueness and the potential in people and promote it, not stifle it. 
Um, Maria Somonetti is sharing interesting conversation and she also has a long story to share. So I'm just going to read it out. Um, as leaders, we are trained and experienced to manage people and situations. However, the methodology used by organizations in dealing with disruptive and sudden emergency situations may prove inadequate as leadership styles can be very based on the required response. While many companies have a crisis management in plan in space, this crisis management wasn't planned, but okay, I'm going to continue. They may not have actually tested their plans and or their plans may be scanty. I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Mm. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think that's also important linked with your question, like should coaching be mandatory? Mm -hmm. Especially for leaders, I would say, it would be great for them to have in their toolbox, but also mm -hmm. remembering that that's not the only coach, uh, leadership yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. So they sometimes mm -hmm. need to go to the other extreme and just mm -hmm. give instructions. Obviously, yeah. certain moments require that. So sometimes when we talk about leaders being the coach, sometimes they're really like um, having the question marks. But but how can you do it with this kind of a person? What? How can you do it in this situation? <laughs> No, you don't have to do it all the no. time. That's mm -hmm. not the idea. The idea is using that skill set from time to time, but having the mindset all the time. So yeah. having the mindset of like the, the curiosity all the time, having the mindset of the, you know, what's possible mindset all the time, that is there. But using the skill set, like asking questions. No, if there, of course, if there is a really a fire thing here. If there is I can see the passion. I can see the passion in your yeah. voice and yeah. the way you're expressing yourself. Yeah. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I had to give it to you. So it's, um, it's so great too because you know Oslem and I both we we sort of our careers grew up in financial consulting, yeah. and so we came That's from a really funny. structured. That's funny yeah. because yeah. I have a financial background myself. Really? <laughs> yeah, so we all appreciate structure, right? Mm -hmm. It's not all about mm -hmm. sort of going soft and and. You know, there's a real value to having a plan, to having structure, yeah. but you also have to be able to dance within that structure. And I think ultimately, I think that is what coaching is about. It's mm -hmm. about balancing structure, foundational principles mm -hmm. with practical flexibility. Yeah. 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 I will emphasize flexibility. Yeah. We need yes. that, especially now. Oh. It's almost, mm. I'm going to ask my final question because the okay. time flew by and um, no, I'm going to ask two questions. Do you mind a, a, a overlap of the time? Do you mind an extension? Just I'm a few totally minutes? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, let's go with this one because I feel like this question needs to be answered by you too. So what can leaders do to amplify inclusion in their team? And I'll give each of you can you share one tip oh. i know it's hard <laughs> it's a good it's a really good question yeah really good question and lot, lots of things to share about it mm. hmm. um i've got one <laughs> yeah go ahead um so um within coaching you have this notion that there's actually value to um, to people that are opposite of you mm -hmm. because typically people who behave in a way that may trigger you or may um, give you a reaction that's like, hmm, why did they do that? Mm 
-hmm. it actually is usually a signal that there's something within that person, that leader, that they're not um, acknowledging or giving attention to themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So if we use this coaching principle and people start to really understand that people who even like we may not be able to understand their perspective, they are really valuable in in like letting us see where we are blind, letting us see our own shadows. Like this creates a fundamental opening and appreciation for diversity and inclusion because it's mm-hmm. absolutely necessary in coaching philosophy that we have diversity. Thank you. Yeah. And also... Yeah, I would say the key word is trust. Mm, that's uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically like if you if you just don't really know who the person is in front of you. Yeah. If you don't really even ask how their weekend has been, for instance, you know mm-hmm. those basic stuff. If you just you know uh, speak behind their back, all those kind of stuff. Just just you just close them down uh, to sharing and you know being included. So I always tell whenever I'm giving trainings to uh, to managers, like just leave aside all the coaching skills. First, start mm-hmm. with trust. If you don't yeah. have the trust, you can ask them nothing very will happen. No, yeah. They won't share. Mm, they won't yeah. bring. So if you if you do some kind of workshops and ask them to you know share their ideas, let's do brainstorming. They won't yeah. uh, with the fear of being judged, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So the main thing is like really invest in the trust. Mm-hmm. Just get to know the people. Invest in trust. That's basically the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question that I have. So what is your wish when it comes to, what is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and uh, developing coaching skills? Hmm. Well, I can jump on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So as I said, we, we have a digital platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main idea we established the platform was to bring coaching to more people because what happens generally, especially in organizations and also in, the, in generally in life, like since it's a kind of an expensive service, mm-hmm. you just basically spare it for some people that have the resources or you want as an organization want to invest in blah blah. So it's very still very uh, for a selected number of people yeah. generally in the world. Uh, but I, I see it's like it's being more and more relevant uh, in this you know crazy world that we're living in. So if organizations are able to bring it to more people and my solution for that has been through technology, using technology uh, and mixing it with the right pro- proportion with technology and the human side, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if we can just bring it to more people, uh, they will buy into the idea. I mean, we just yeah. recent, I was recently giving a training to managers and I get used them, made them use our platform. And uh, I was amazed with the comment of like, I've received so many trainings on coaching, but it's the very first time that I'm being coached. Mm-hmm. So it was like, ooh, how can you give someone that you have yeah. no idea how it works. How can you just, you know, offer it to another person? It's almost person like, um, like this this quote from Gandhi: "If you want to see the change, be the change." Right? And mm, it's, yeah. indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And also like that that airplane thing: like just give the oxygen mask to yourself mm. first, and then you can give it. To <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very similar thing. You first need to experience it, but of yeah. course, it's impossible to bring it 
uh, to hire everyone a professional coach. So use you know other creative tools means to bring that coaching idea to more and more people. Yeah. So that that will be 2025 would be you know more people are coached, more people know how it feels to be coached. That yeah. would be great for me. I'm back. Oof. You're tapping into my very ambitious side. So (laughs) I'm like global vision. Here we go. Um, Yeah, I think vulnerability and honesty about our struggles is really, really, really important. And I Mm -hmm. think that this principle can act like a like a domino effect. Like it can really from the bottom up, top down, create a huge culture shift in organizations that start to allow for the space for leaders to be more curious about themselves, for teams to be more curious about each other. And so, and I think that's also why I started this podcast called Breakdown Wake Up, which is about Mm -hmm. really understanding the personal stories of people who are in traditionally high powered positions, but are really being vulnerable. And so 2025, I hope that like, I don't know, I hope that Mark Zuckerberg and like all the big CEOs are sharing their personal breakdown Mm -hmm. stories Mm -hmm. and that, that this starts to create a ripple effect that also, you know, that starts to bridge the personal and the professional. And I think in that sense, it really creates this breeding ground for that curiosity and openness for coaching culture. I would like to say maybe challenge those who are in a certain position. I mean, if you feel uh, notched by what Meg is sharing, she has a platform. I have my platform take up on the challenge because I think that when you really share your personal story, just maybe I share just a, a pinch of, of my personal story, it creates a connection, it creates an understanding and it creates that humanness that is sometimes not visible when it comes to the CEOs or to management or the C-suite level because they have this wall, they have this harness that they are being seen as the CEO instead of the peop- the person behind yeah. the name or the person behind that title. And uh, I would I would only advocate for bringing more of the humanness back. So thank you both. I really enjoyed this conversation and I had so many questions, so many things to, to ask, but uh, let's see where this conversation leads us and uh, let's see where if we inspire the people, if we inspire the future uh, self-leaders, if we inspire the future management to um, building a practice of coaching within within themselves, but also um, also inspire others through coaching. Mm. Thank you for well having said. us. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So... Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna close off, but uh, please stay. Don't log off. Yes, yet. Yeah, so um, my name is Vivian Aqua, the workplace wellness uh, advocate, and stay tuned. I have a session on Thursday, which will be in Dutch. So if you want to continue in English, please watch next week Thursday, and know that you can watch this live episode or otherwise uh, listen to this episode later on as a podcast. And I see a last comment coming in. Let me see. Oh, Maria Simonetti is saying, great conversation, folks. Thanks, lady, for being, uh, for supporting us and uh, looking forward to 
see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>